Proverbs 24, verse 16. Thank you so much for your kind service. Uh, as you play, as you tickle the ivories, like they used to say about me. As you tickle the ivories, and as you minister on the drums of beating. Thank you so much. Do you have it? Say, man, I feel good, y'all. I'm sorry. I feel real good. And I don't care who know it. And I don't care who like it or not. All right. 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times. Say seven. Seven, seven times. And rise again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. I really want to, um, for our sermonic spotlight for the day, just want to concentrate on that first clause. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. For a brief few moments, I just want to talk about in our third installment of our pursuit series, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Father, I thank you for what the word that you have laid out before us. I thank you now, God, that you shall take that word and do what it is set out to accomplish to be done, God. Now, I remove myself from the picture. I just become the voice. I become the hands. I become the painter. You paint the picture. Show it to the people. And God, and they will understand. And we give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm not dead yet. I found um, in life and even in my study of the word of God that Jesus does not do funerals. He doesn't. He really doesn't. He, he, doesn't, do, he doesn't do funerals. Um, even the funerals that we have here on earth to uh, celebrate the home goings of our loved ones and, 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 and our relatives and friends and neighbors, Jesus is not there. Oh, okay, I hear you. I hear you. Pastor, yes, a little insensitive because many of us have lost loved ones, so have I. Many of us have lost friends, so have I. Many of us have buried a lot of people that are close to us, so have I, so have, so have I. But I have to tell you that Jesus does not attend funerals. Now, he will send the Holy Spirit to comfort the family. He will send the Holy Spirit to help us through the grieving and the bereavement process. He will help the Holy Spirit, all of those who are part of the Marie family everywhere. He will help them. Y'all don't know what the Marie family is. For those who used to listen to radio, um, they used to have gospel programs. And before their program, they used to say, this song goes out to the Marie family Everywhere, And I used to wonder who was the Marie family and why they everywhere. And really what they were saying was it goes out to the bereaved family. But um, some of the people like Theodicia couldn't speak well. And so they would say Marie family. And so we used to think that that's what it meant to the Marie family everywhere. But even for the Marie family, the Holy Spirit comes to comfort and to aid, but Jesus does not come. How, how can you say that, Pastor? How can you be so insensitive? I can prove it. You want me to prove it? I prove it. I prove it. Every funeral in the Bible that Jesus has ever attended, he stopped the service. 
Jesus never went to a funeral by invitation or by accident where he allowed the funeral to continue. Okay, I prove it. Jairus daughter was dying. In fact, the Bible said that she had died. And everybody was standing around the house crying and mourning and screaming and hollering and trying to jump in the gravesite like your cousin them be doing in that Alabama funeral and, and all of that. And Jesus comes, Jesus comes and he says, hold on, stop all that crying, stop all that hollering. As a matter of fact, everybody get out the house. But me, mama, and daddy. And mom and daddy, if you don't believe, you're going to have to go too. And Jesus goes in and resurrects Jairus' daughter and brings her out. Jesus stopped the funeral. There was a widow by, uh, 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 in a town called Nain, and she was burying her only son. It was the only son she had. She didn't have any husband. She had one child, and he died. And the funeral, had, the service was already taking place, and the funeral procession was on their way to the gravesite. Jesus wasn't even invited to the funeral. Jesus was just in town and happened to be coming in the city when the funeral procession was leaving. <clears throat> and when he got into the funeral procession, he says, hold up. Walks over to the casket. Touches the boy. And the boy gets up. And there was no more reason for a funeral. See, if Jesus showed they were trying to choke me here. <coughs> if Jesus tries to show, if Jesus shows up, the reason for our funerals end. Now, what does that have to do with us, Pastor? Most of us have been planning funerals for dreams, visions, and callings. There are things that have been in our lives that we don't see how it's going to happen. We don't see if it'll happen, if it'll ever take place. And what we've done is we've planned funerals since I know this is not going to work. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to go ahead and bury it. I'm going to forget it. I ain't going back to school. I'm just going to forget it. I'm not going to start that business. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, forget it. I'm, I'm not going to do that thing. I'm not going to do that plan. I'm just going to forget it. And we will have funerals or planned funerals and we'll even invite Jesus, but if Jesus won't show up. He won't show up. Well, what are funerals, Pastor? Funerals are for people who accept that everything is over. They throw the towel in the ring and they feel like that they have fallen for the last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm done with this. I'm tired of this. I keep trying and it don't work. I keep trying to talk to my husband, but he won't listen. I'm through with this. I keep trying to reason with my wife, but she always nagging. I'm through with this. <laughs> I keep trying to go to this job and do like they tell me to do, but they, they on my last nerve. I'm about to cuss everybody out and walk out of here. I'm about to blow this up. Uh, I'm through with this. I, I, I'm tired of this committee or this ministry that I'm serving on at the church. I'm tired of them people and everything. I'm through with this. I'm tired uh, of coming up here two or three times a week and it seems like don't nobody care. It seems like don't nobody pay it any attention. I'm through with this. It's time for a funeral. Get the flowers. Get the spray. Get that coffin. Get everything. It is over. 
And although the service is laid out so nice, your vision is laying there looking just like itself. Look like it's sleep. Did a good job with the body. But there's only one small problem with this whole process. I ain't dead yet. Not dead yet. Well, well, I hear you. I hear you. For those of you that's looking at me crazy, I, I, I hear the question that's in your mind. Well, why is it my failure final? Why isn't it final? Why haven't my falls finished me? Because I fail a whole lot of times. I look like I got to get in the house right quick. Let me see. How many people in here made mistakes? How many people here didn't jack some junk up? There's a difference. There's a difference. Main mistakes is when I made minor things, and uh, but when I jack it up, I really put my foot in something. Anybody ever jack something up? Oh, yeah, so I'm talking to the right person. So don't look up in here at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You done jacked some things up. And if the truth be told, that last mess up was supposed to be it for you. You had run out on your mess up meter. It, you have passed the point of no return. You've been forgiven one time too many. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And why is it that that has not been final? Why is it that that didn't kill me? Why is it that that last mistake didn't take me out? It's because of point number one. Jesus makes my falls and failures fruitful. He makes my falls and failures fruitful. Yeah, yeah. In our attempt to walk out the plan of God for our lives, we all face obstacles. Am I correct? Yeah. These obstacles are designed to trip us and to cause us to fall, to be fearful, and to ultimately fail. What, well, what, Pastor, are things that will trip us up or cause us to fall? Many of us fall into sin. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Many of us use aggravation as an excuse for sinfulness. You made me mad, so I'm going to be sinful. The Bible says be angry, but sin not. But we figure it ain't no make no sense to be angry if we can't sin. Oh, come on, let's be real. Why be mad if I can't cuss you out? Why be upset if I can't bust you upside your head? That's what me building myself up to get mad is leading me to. I'm working myself up to whoop your behind. So if I can't whoop you, why am I getting angry? Oh, that's a sermon for somebody there right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We fall into sin. I trip up. What is it about me that keeps attracting this type of man? And what is it about this type of man that keeps me from saying no? I made up in my mind I'm not going to do that no more. I'm really trying to live right. I'm really trying to do right. But every time he called me something about his voice, heats me up. And I have a hard time. Y'all don't look at me crazy because that's been somebody in your life. That they could call you and say the right word and you get all warm on the inside. And you were saying, no, we can't do this. And you steadily unbuckling your coat. No, we can't do this. This is not right. We can't. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what you did. Leave me alone. No mean no. And by the time you say no three times, you stand in there bucket naked. Don't play with me. I ain't come to play. I got to get out by football time. So I got to go ahead and cut your throat and keep going. Yeah, some of us fall into sin. Secondly, some of us fall into the opinion trap. We base the things that God has called us to do on what everybody else thinks about it. We base, uh, we base how we are going to listen to the voice of God based on what our girlfriend says. We make, it, we, we, we make decisions based on what other folks think. For those of you who are trying to start businesses and do things of that nature, we will rather listen to statistics than listen to God. Because if you be real, God most of the time tells you to go when the conditions aren't favorable. God tells you to step out when there's nothing to step on. God tells you to run when it's not but a little bit of rampway. God tells you to fly with no wings. But we listen to what everybody else says instead of what God says. Can I submit to you the reason that you are sitting where you are sitting and not going where you need to go is because you've been listening to your buddy too much. You've been listening to your family members too much. You know it's the voice of God in your life calling you to move forward, to go now, to do, to be. And you're listening to everybody else and looking at the news and looking at the stock market and looking at the economy. And God says, I'm in charge of that. Do what I say do. Look at somebody and tell them, do what God says do. Not only do many of us fall into sin, many of us fall into the opinion trap. Thirdly, many of us fall because we do not pay attention to the details. What are you saying, Pastor? God will give us our directions and tell us to take three steps and then we start running. God will tell us to move quickly and then we procrastinate. God will tell us to wait and then we rush forward. We don't pay attention to the details. God is telling us these things for a reason. He's, he's saying, take three steps and stop. And we question God. God, why only three steps? God, I see. I can go five or six steps. Why? Why I got to stop at three steps? Because God wants us to take a time to analyze our obstacles. He wants us to study the thing that trips us up. If you've ever been into any counseling or into any drug um, rehab situation or anything like that, they tell you to examine your triggers. What are the things that make you or uh, cause you to exhibit the behavior that you are called uh, exhibiting? Everybody with me? Analyze your obstacles. Stand there and see what is it about him that trips me up. What is it about me that allows him to trip me up? What is it about my neighbor that gets on my last nerve? Why do I always put that nerve out there for my neighbor to get on? Look at somebody and say, analyze your obstacle. 
Our obstacles teach us how to persevere. When we analyze the very thing that trips us up, then we're able to move beyond that thing and keep going forward. But the problem is we never take time to analyze our obstacles so we keep tripping over them. A person who jumps hurdles takes time to examine the height of each hurdle. And he knows when he has to leap in order to clear the hurdle. Because he has analyzed his obstacle. I got to ask you, it ain't in my notes, it ain't even up on the screen, but what are the obstacles that you're afraid to analyze? What are you scared of? If you analyze that obstacle, would it cause you to change who you are? Are you afraid that when you stand still and look at it and look at you, you're going to find some things about you that you're going to have to change? Oh, yeah. Got real quiet in the room right in there. Just pretend like you're writing. Just look down real studiously and just pretend like you're writing. You know I'm talking about you. We trip, but there uh, is a good thing about our falls and failures because every time I've tripped, I've fallen forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even though I fail, I'm still going in the right direction. I'm still headed the right way even though I fail while I was there. And you got to understand, it's not important how you fall. It's important how long you stay down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at somebody and say, I may have fallen, but I'm not dead yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care how much you have. There are situations and circumstances that caught you off guard, and you failed, and you tripped up, and you messed up. But I came to tell you that God has some good things in your falling. God has learned, God has, will teach you how to get everything you need from your failures. If you talk to any successful person, they will tell you that their success came out of failure. That they fell and scraped their knee a few times. That's what taught them to do it the way they're doing it now. Number one, there's favoritism or favorite, God favors us in our failure. Number two, Jesus makes our faith forceful. There are times when our faith has to forcibly overcome our fears. Let's, let's look at that verse again. 16 says, for a righteous man may fall how many times? Seven times. It didn't say a sinner. It didn't say somebody out there in the clubs. It didn't say somebody out there smoking weed. It didn't say somebody out there running the women. It didn't say somebody out there pipping the brothers. No, it says a righteous man may fall seven times. But what makes this number so important to us today? This number means that this man has fallen so many times. He has a right to give up. Come on, think about it. If, if Pam, you've been running and you keep falling, 
and you say, I just quit, some people would understand, especially if they've been there to see you fall all those times. And you say, look, I'm tired. I ain't going to do this no more. I done failed in this. I done messed this up. I haven't succeeded in this yet. I'm going to leave this alone and go on about my business. And there's somebody that will agree with you and say, I understand, baby. It'll be all right. And pat you on the back, join you, and you two have a pity party. And that would, that would be okay. But what happens with this man is he is a word that we all as Christians have to get in our vocabulary in these last and most evil days. That word is relentless. This man is relentless, relentless in the pursuit of the plan of God. What, what is relentless? Relentless people will not take no for an answer. When you're relentless, I don't care what nobody tell you. Once you make up your mind that this is going to work, come hell or high water, this will work. Now, relentless people look at it this way. It may not work this way. It, it may, they may fail doing it this time, but immediately they get up looking for another way. They don't get up quitting. They get up saying, okay, that didn't work. Let's scrap that plan. Let's go at it another direction. Uh, that didn't work. Let me go talk to somebody that's done this before and see if these got a better way. They stay on the job. Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. I'm talking hard today because I feel good. I'm talking and preaching better than you saying amen. But I'll say amen to me. Boy, you show preaching. Thank you so much. You got to look at somebody and tell them, don't quit. Let me calm down since y'all want a quiet message. This man, this man has fallen seven times. He has fallen seven times. And he faces the temptation to stay down. Why keep getting up, getting hit? Once you get up, you're going to trip again. Just stay the enemy comes to us in a quiet sweet voice and he speaks to us so tenderly and says you don't, you don't have to take that punishment just stay down and let the referee count you look at your issue it's bigger than you they worked out it's trained it's prepared for this fight. And every time you get up, you get hit with a left or you get hit with a right or you get popped in the nose or you get uppercut. Just stay. Time. Die. Dormant. Just lay here until it's time to check out. You won't have no more drama. You won't rub nobody the wrong way. You won't have to struggle. Just lay dormant until it's time to check out. That's what our graveyards are full of. Dormant people who laid dormant until it was time to check out. That's why AIDS hasn't been cured yet. Because the cure for AIDS is out in the cemetery. 
That's why we walking around with all these pink ribbons, but breast cancer could have been uh, uh, cured a long time ago. But somebody with the cure for cancer is laying down dormant and checked out. The cure for your economic situation is in you right now, but you have chose to lay dormant until it's time to check out. Somebody's life could be saved by your testimony, but you don't think your testimony is powerful enough because you don't speak in tongues like some of your neighbors do. And what you have resolved yourself to do is just lay dormant until it's time to check out. One thing that I've realized and I hope by the time I leave here, you realize although you've been knocked down multiple times, you got to realize that you are not dead yet. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Y'all have left me on the screen here. Yeah, well. Uh, but it's all right. I want you to read this on the screen. Now you read it loud like you mean it. Say it. Go. Read it again. Read it again. I'm not dead yet. Mr. Hunt, you pulled up the wrong message. So I'm going to have to preach this without it. Go put, get the right one for me. Thank you. I'm going to preach this without it. So, now, if you're not dead yet, what is it that you have to do? God helps us in our failures. God makes our faith forceful. He takes us through a situation where although we're down, it takes forcible faith to lift us up. Come on now, if you've been knocked down a whole lot of times, you have to make up a resolve. You have to have a resolve in your mind that tells you that no matter what, I'm going to get up and try this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter how hard I fail, no matter what I've gone through in my life, I'm going to get back up and try this again. That's forcible faith. That's faith that says that no matter what the outcome's going to be, I've got faith enough to believe that if I keep plugging at it, if I keep trying it, if I keep pushing, something will break for me after a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old people, you say it like this. He may not come when you want him, but he'll show up on time. Yeah, yeah, anybody here believe that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not taking no for an answer anymore. I'm, I'm not going to die here dormant. I'm not going to live here full. I got too much to do, too many people to touch. I got to make it. So now, no, that's still not right. Give me the paper. Just forget it. I got it. That's okay. I got you. That's all right. One thing about preaching, if it's in you, it's just in you. So, 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 so now he makes my faith forceful. And the third and final thing that he does for me is Jesus makes my future fantastic. Man falls seven times, but then he rises the enemy wants us to believe that we have no choice but to be counted out. 
But you got to understand that the whole theme of Christianity is rising again. Jesus was born. He, he ministered for three years. He got up on the cross. The only reason that Jesus did all of that so he could get up again. And that's what our Christianity is based on. Us getting up again. Why do you uh, choose or be comfortable with laying there on the ground after you've tripped up? I don't care how many times it's been. Get up. Get up. Let me tell you something. God cannot get glory from dead things. He can't get glory from dead things. And because he can't get glory for those dead things, God has to do something. He either has to resurrect you or you have to get up on your own. And most of the time, because I told you Jesus does not like funerals, he waits on you to realize that you are not dead yet. Because the truth of the matter is, you're not dead until you've convinced yourself that you are. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get it. Uh, um, when, when doctors give up on somebody, they give them the bad report. They tell them it's all over and there's nothing else we can do. Uh, go ahead and, and, and get close to all your family. Yeah, uh, call the hospice. Get all that stuff together because it ain't going to be long. But if you've ever been through that, like a few of us have, we've realized that that person ain't going to leave until they get ready, until God calls them. So I don't care what kind of state they're in, they stay there because they haven't convinced themselves that they're dead yet. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know that may have been a morbid example, but we all living with it every day. There's some dreams and visions in each and every one of you that you told yourself are dead. But the only way they'll die is if you kill it. Think about how many things you waved off as impossible. Think how many dreams and visions you just put on the back burner of the back burner of the back burner because you see, you think that your life will not handle it. How many things have you walked away from but it comes back to you periodically? How many woulda, coulda, shouldas do you have in your life? Look at somebody and say, I'm not dead yet. Uh, you sound dead right about now. Look at somebody else and say, I'm not dead yet. Find somebody else and sound convincing this time. Even if you only acted and tell them, neighbor, I don't care what I look like. I don't care how far I've been down. I'm not dead yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're going to have to say when your employer threatens you. you. You threatening me, but I'm not dead yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My money looking a little funny, and I might be broke as Dick was when Hattie died, but I'm not dead yet. Yeah, yeah. I may 
be hurting right now, may have pain all over my body, but I'll tell you what, I'm not dead yet. And as long as there's some life in me, I got hope that there's something better. Oh, yeah, yeah. I looked at my own future, and I realized it's, it's better for me than what's been. I got more ahead of me than I got by. I'm not dead. I'm not dead yet. I don't even need this no more. Let me tell you something. I'll prove to you that Jesus had a friend. And his friend's name was Lazarus. Oh, you're going to stay with me. We get ready to go home. His friend's name was Lazarus. And the Bible says that the people came and told Jesus that your friend is sick. And Jesus told the disciples he is not sick unto death. Yeah, and Jesus waited there three more days. And somebody else came to Jesus and said, your friend Lazarus is sleeping. Yeah, and Jesus said, the disciples said, he's just asleep. Jesus said, no, he's dead now. Wait a minute right now. Now, I got a bit of confusion because Jesus does not contradict himself. Jesus said he's sick, but his sickness is not under death. And then later on, Jesus says, he's dead. Wait a minute, Jesus. If you say his sickness is not under death, how could it be that this man died? Well, Jesus knew a little bit more than what we knew. And see, when the Bible scholars were transcribing the Bible, I just believed that they didn't finish the conversation. Jesus said, he's dead yet. He's dead now to everybody else. But he and I got a secret. Yes, so Jesus goes to where Lazarus was. And everybody around Lazarus thought Lazarus was really dead. Yes, and, and Lazarus was already entombed. He was already wrapped up. They had put the coins over his eyes. They had put the sheet over his face. They had put him in a tomb. And they had rolled the stone. Even his family said, Jesus, if thou had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But Jesus and Lazarus had a secret. Hey, Lazarus was laying there in the tomb. But the secret was, Lazarus knew they got me in here. But I ain't dead yet. They've wrapped me up and have given up on me. But I'm not dead yet. And the only person that recognizes that other than me is my friend Jesus. And as soon as he gets here, Jesus and I will prove that even though man will write you off, you're still not dead yet. Jesus shows up, praise to the Father. He said, Father, I need you to do this for me so these people can understand who I really am. And he said, move the stone. Roll the stone away. But this is interesting here, Pam. I listen to what Jesus said. He didn't tell Lazarus to resurrect. He didn't tell Lazarus to wake up from the dead. He didn't tell Lazarus to get up from his sleep. He didn't tell Lazarus to come from the grave. All he told Lazarus is come forth. And the only way that a dead man can come forth if he still got life in him, yes, 
Jesus knew that Lazarus knew that he wasn't dead yet. That's why when Jesus told Lazarus, come forth, nobody had to go in and get him. Lazarus was wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. But because he had life in him, he got up on his own. And nobody had to assist Lazarus. Lazarus, even though he was bound, walked his way out of the grave. Even though he was tied up with money issues, family issues, and all types of disease, he was able to get himself out of the grave. I could see Lazarus struggling with what people had tied him up with. I could see him struggling with the opinions of his neighbors. I could see him struggling with the opinion of his supervisor. And he was trying to move himself because he said, no matter what I'm looking like, I'm not dead yet. Yeah, 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 Lord. The Bible says that Lazarus was coming out of the grave. Jesus looked at him and said, Loose him and let him go. That's what I came in to tell you. Some of y'all have tripped up over life situations. Some of y'all have tripped up over stuff that has gone on. Some of y'all have failed numerous times. But I came like Jesus did. And to tell you, you're not dead yet. Come on out of there. Come on out of your misery. Come on out of there. Come on out of your situation. Come on out of there. Come on out of your depression. Come on out of there. Come on out of your pity party. Come on out of there. Stop falling in your mistakes. Come on out of there. Stop laying there dormant. Come on out of there. There's greatness in you. There's miracles in you. There's a witness in you. Yes, you can. You can do it. You can make it. You can go there. Yeah. to know that you can make it happen. Y'all can sit there and look at me. I'm preaching to myself now. John, you can make it happen. It don't matter how many members you got. You gon' make it happen. It don't matter what kind of building you got. You gon' make it happen. It may not look like it now, but you gon' make it happen. greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Yeah! Yeah, It's greater one. That's why I'm not dead yet. Cause I got Christ on the inside of me. And no matter how many times I fall, he'll pick me up, turn me around, place my feet on solid ground. Yes, he will. Under the sound of my voice, believe it, 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 believ
Look at your neighbor. I'm done now. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. Neighbor. You're not dead yet. Come out of here. Look at somebody. Look at somebody else. And say, neighbor. 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 You're not dead yet. Come out of there. Find one more person. Find one more person. They may be behind you. Look at them. Square in the eye. Look at them in the face. And say, neighbor. 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 Come on out of there. You're not dead yet. You can't give up. Come on out of there. You can't quit now. Come out of there. You can't throw in the towel. Come out of there. You can make it. You can take it. Right. 